I think the success of the business really comes down to a couple of things. I mean, it's number one, just finding great independent contractors. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Whitby, and today we're joined by Scott Easton. Scott is the director of Easton IT Security. For the last 13 years, Scott was a leading Microsoft security consultant. He's worked with major organizations, including Coca-Cola, American Express, as well as state and local governments. Over the last five years, Scott has moved away from development and now helps Microsoft business partners define top-tier Azure consultants. Scott lives in Decatur, Georgia, with his wife, two dogs, and two teenagers. I've known Scott for two years. I'm very proud to have him as a client. Scott, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Mark, thank you so much for having me. It's incredible to be here. It feels like I've come full circle. As we were talking about prior to uh, coming on the podcast, I remember, what, a couple years ago, I was at a soccer tournament uh, with my youngest son, I was walking around the parking lots and fields in between games, listening to your podcast and just being blown away by the great guests that were there. And so it's very surreal to, and very, I'm very honored to even be asked to be on this podcast. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh. And I know it was probably a slow week at the Resilient <laughs> Twitter podcast. You were out of guests. Not so at I'll all. Not here, at so. all. <laughs> that's hilarious. Scott, you're being too modest. And uh, as but that's... We know that about you. You're, uh, you're, you have a lot of humility. So uh, it's my pleasure to have you on the show. So you have two teenage boys. What ages are they? They are, we're going to 16 and uh, 18, well, 16 and 19. We've got some birthdays coming up relatively soon. So I'll wow. round up. So we're, we're in the full uh, teenager yeah, uh, bracket I'm, here. So absolutely, I've I'm the same. Although my eldest, my 19 year old is uh, is my daughter, and then I've got two boys who are 16 and 14. Um, and uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's exciting times. And um, so Scott, let's let's dive into your background. Could you share the journey of how and why you transitioned from being a developer to being a recruiter? Well, so. Way back when, in the Stone Ages of the 1990s, I was actually involved, I uh, was the first employee for a, uh, what I'll say, pre-internet startup uh, a consulting firm. And so I was the first employee past the two founders, great guys. And uh, I was asked to join the company. And so I was, during the day, writing code out on client site developing. And they said, well, hey, you know, we're crushing it, we need to hire some people, would you be interested in being our recruiter? And I had never, I had never been a recruiter before. And they said, well, here's a monster.com account, you know, <laughs> go get, go get them tiger. And so, you know, literally, you know, during the day I was writing code and then in the evenings I would come back to the office and interview people. And, you know, we do in-person interviews uh, in the evening, which, you know, today sounds completely crazy. But that's literally how I got into uh, recruiting initially, was recruiting for that firm. And we were very fortunate to hire just some wonderful developers that ultimately propelled the success of that company for a period of time. Fantastic. What impact did that experience working in a startup environment and actually having to not only do your day job, but actually get involved in multiple things, including recruiting, what impact did that have in terms of your own development and, and you know, your later on as a business person? 
Um, well, I would say this is that being in Atlanta, which is a very vibrant city, even that back then it was incredibly vibrant. I had moved from New Orleans, where I'm from, had been living here for a few years. And, you know, it took a little bit to get my footing. And then ultimately when I joined the startup, it was incredibly exciting. I mean, the closest thing that I can say is it was almost like being in love for the first time. (laughs) It's exciting. You're in this big city. You're, you know, you're finally starting to make it happen as a legitimate adult. And, uh, you know, then part of a startup where, uh, you know, we were having tremendous success and getting to wear lots of hats. And it mm. really fit well with my personality where I've never really been happy doing just one thing. I always enjoy kind of having a lot of things to do. And um, so that kind of went well with my personality. And so again, it was a fantastic opportunity and loved every minute of working for that company. Amazing. And so then how, let's fast forward to you starting up your recruiting business. Yeah. How and why did you make that, or sorry, not your recruiting business, your own business as a independent contractor, right? Because um, you left a full-time gig and be, and went independent. Well, what what motivated well, there that were decision? A few, well, there were a few steps hmm. in there. Um, so that startup that I was part of, um, we had had tremendous success, but the market for our technology and really had caught up with us. So the demand for that particular technical service, we were doing a lot of Lotus Notes custom development Mm -hmm. that really peaked in 2002, three. And the kind of the other problem that we had is that we had had a great, to use a US term, a great draft pick of just some wonderful junior developers, mid developers, and they ended up, we kind of hit the salary cap, if you will, the financial performance of the company started to break down. And then the technology started to decline. And we just quite frankly, were not great at making that pivot. So long story short, that company came to an end. And I ended up taking a full-time position at uh, one of my clients, a big beverage company here in Atlanta where I had been consulting with them for years. And so I had a Las Vegas style marriage with that, uh, <laughs> with that company and uh, long story short, ended up leaving to become a independent consultant. Uh, there are, you know, all sorts of twists and turns inside I'm of that, sure, but I'm that's sure there a long, are. Right. long story short. So, and uh, what, well, t- let's talk about being an independent consultant and yeah. how, how, that is similar or different to what you're doing now in terms of, you know, being a recruiter and actually placing consultants with Microsoft partners? Well, so it was really kind of a journey because when I left, when I left um, that company or the full-time position in Mm -hmm. 2009, I was a security developer. So I was working mostly in the Microsoft stack and a few other areas. And so based on my consulting background and, you know, a little bit of a forte with sales. Um, I would always ask customers, Hey, what else can we do to help you? Or what else can I do to help you? And they would say, well, Hey, if you know anyone in this particular area, can you, you know, can you bring somebody in or do you know somebody? And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I literally got like a LinkedIn recruiter account and, you know, in the mornings I'd get up super early and just start recruiting again. And that's literally how the recruiting business started from there. And, oh, uh, wow. okay, you know, that's really, it was very, it was very, very organic. And yep. 
you know, through, through great work, uh, by myself and other consultants, the business just kind of grew by word of mouth. And so that's literally how I did it. Wow. So that's interesting. And, and what, what made you decide, like, what, what was the tipping point where you were actually still working as a consultant yourself and also recruiting other consultants? Right. Um, the tipping point where you said, actually, do you know, what? I'm really enjoying, you know, running this IT consulting and staffing business, and I'm going to focus my energies on that? Well, it's a great question um, because that was a big struggle. Uh, and quite frankly, it comes down to laziness because <laughs> okay. I ultimately, um, in working with a lot of these independent consultants that I'm, I was very fortunate to have work with me, some of these guys and girls are just incredible performers. And when I was actually actively coding and doing development and then working with them and just seeing what it took to be at that technical level. I'm like, I just don't know if I have that in me anymore. And the recruiting was uh, fun. It gave me a lot of juice to use a Tony Robbins term yep. where I was maybe not so much excited about writing code anymore, but you know, doing the deals and finding people and solving those big problems, that was more exciting to me. And so it was a gradual process. It wasn't one of those where one day I woke up and said, well, I'm done with this. I'm just going to start recruiting. It was a very gradual type of thing where I kind of decided, you know what, it's time to hang up the spurs on the, <laughs> on the code and really, you know, I can, I can really make a big impact, hopefully on the recruiting side. Fantastic. Okay. Now that all makes sense. What, what was the biggest challenge as you like made that transition? Because obviously you had done some recruiting, you know, on the side initially, and then that became more and more, but that's quite different to it being your full-time, you know, that is how you're, you're making a, a living. Was there anything that surprised you or anything that was more challenging than you had anticipated? Um, you know, the biggest thing is probably trust and letting go. You mm. know, that's my big thing because, uh, you know, for me, client satisfaction is everything. Sure. And, uh, you know, that that's the ultimate. And when you bring in other people to work with your clients or do work with your name on the door mm. on your behalf, it's one of those where... I'm always, I'd rather turn down business if I don't think that we're going to have someone that's going to be absolutely great at something mm. and so, or, you know, fulfilling a position. And so that's probably the biggest thing that I have that has been difficult for me is just letting go saying, okay, you know what, this person's a professional, just let them do their thing. They're not going to do it exactly the way that I've done it in the past. And I just, you know, I have to have faith in their track record and, and let them do their thing. Yeah. Do you know what? That's a huge, I think, learning for any entrepreneur because otherwise you're, there's no way you can grow right beyond yourself right. if you can't um, identify talent and then trust and let go, as you say. Um, otherwise you're all, you're, you're, you're stuck on that hamster wheel and you just have to yeah. keep, keep running yourself and you, you can't really uh, scale. So Awesome. What has been the high point of this journey for you, Scott? Like, was there a, a particular business win or something you've achieved that you've felt incredibly proud of? You know, there was, um, so interesting story here is that, um, we work with a lot of us based consultants and, uh, gosh, I guess it was right before COVID or maybe a year before COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I know a few people in the industry from my development background who actually happened to be in Poland and Central Europe. And, you know, one of the founders of these companies just called me. I was literally driving back from Alabama after visiting a client. And, you know, he calls me on my cell phone and he's like, hey, you know, do you have a few minutes to talk? And it's like, we're we're going to try to start an office in the U.S. Do you think that Americans would be interested in working with Polish resources? And I'm like, there's no way that that is going to happen. And uh, their country manager ended up calling me so often that finally I just broke down. I just gave in and said, <laughs> you know what, let's try it. And uh, long story short is that that became just an amazing collaboration. And ultimately, the I'd say our capstone project with that team we were very fortunate enough to be asked by one of our Microsoft partners to come in and help a major U.S. airline with a giant Microsoft remediation project. And long story short, that that remediation was all delivered out of Central Europe and Poland and Bulgaria by the teams over there. They did a tremendous job. And, uh, you know, very few hiccups, no plane outages or anything like that. And uh, it was just amazing to just see everyone come together. And quite frankly, I didn't have a lot of involvement in that project from a day-to-day perspective besides showing up for status meetings, you know, telling a few jokes and, you know, hopefully making sure that everything went well. So that was an amazing experience and really opened my eyes to what was possible with uh, working with a lot of people from that part of the world and even all, all over the world. So, okay, wow, there's a lot to unpack there, but it sounds amazing. So because you're essentially the person who's bringing this deal together, introducing the relevant parties, and obviously you get your profit from that, but you're not personally delivering. You've got this whole team that you've effectively yeah subcontracted to or correct yeah yes amazing yeah and then the the sale with the end client was made through your microsoft partner correct okay correct fantastic and you're the one who's just connecting up all these dots basically yeah exactly love it yeah so let's just think about the success success factors that contribute to something like that happening one of which of course is this connection uh, that you mentioned with the, the, the company in Europe, uh, which you were initially skeptical about. So how did you overcome your skepticism and, and um, kind of em- embrace a kind of a different idea than when you tried before? Yeah, let's start with that. Yeah. Well, so really the way that we started was, you know, small projects. So, you know, I was still pretty hands-on with code, back then. Um, and the problem that I was having is, you know, is the recruiting business and the placement business with the Microsoft partners was increasing. Mm -hmm. I really quickly realized that quite frankly, I was going to make more money the further I got away from the keyboard. So anything that I could do to free up my time away from development was going to be key. And so, um, I ended up transferring some work that I thought that they could potentially tackle, on their own. And, uh, you know, I let them take that first project. They did a great job. I was blown away. And then we, um, we, we kept giving them more and more and more. And then quite frankly, when COVID hit, um, there was a big lull in the market for, you know, like it was for the whole economy. Yes. But then in that back half of 2020, 
things just absolutely exploded. So the back half of 2020, 21, 22, there was a huge demand in IT services. Yes. So those teams all just started delivering. They were just crushing it. And so all of a sudden, you know, I was sending as much work as I possibly could to these groups because their language skills were fantastic, um, very customer focused. They were all about getting it done and they were really kind of the easy button for me. Uh, and so probably too easy for me, uh, if, I'm being, <laughs> uh, if I'm being honest, where I got a little bit lazy uh, being a little bit overly dependent on them. But, you know, again, it was, you know, start small and, you know, then we were really fortunate just to have a lot of demand uh, as we got into COVID. And, you know, they had just a wonderful group of people and just super smart. And well, it, it just all kind of worked out. Look, there, you were sort of ahead of the curve on this, Scott, because what COVID proved, I guess, to everybody is that there's a global talent pool and you can tap into remote resources yes. without having to have everyone together in one place. And so really never before in history has there been a time like now where, you know, your ability to leverage, you know, different talent pools around the world. And there's an arbitrage opportunity there as well. If you're, mm -hmm. you know, you've got a contract that's, you know, billing in US dollars and you can pay in euros to a country where they have a different cost of living, then, you know, that's, uh, that's a beautiful thing. And in fact, right. we, although we're in a different business, we have a similar model in that we have team members in the Philippines, for example, sure. uh, who are, you know, super smart, hardworking, excellent English skills, and, you know, very self-motivated and, and come, come with a lot of ideas as well as skills. Um, and I just don't know why more businesses don't embrace outsourcing offshore, really. Um, well, I, would, I would agree with that. And yeah. just to double down, so I have a VA mm. in the Philippines as well. And I've told her that if she ever left me, I don't know if I would actually be able to function because <laughs> I, rely, I rely on her that heavily. Right. And li like you said, um, just the number one, uh, the cost is amazing. The value that you get from that cost. Uh, and then she's super hard worker. Yeah. Jerry, thank you so much if you're listening to this uh, podcast. So don't leave me. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. You're not the only one of our clients who said that. It's like, I don't know what I do without my virtual assistant. You know, it's, yeah, it exactly. is a, it's a game changer for, for sure. It definitely was for me when I hired Rachel in 2018. Uh, right. And now we've got Ryan as well, uh, who's on on the lead gen side. So, um, so yeah. But you, so you were kind of pre COVID. You were already yeah. investigating this. Have you been over to Poland or? Oh yeah, I, yeah. I actually have. I was over there. Oh gosh, what was it? Two years ago. If you're a recruitment business owner, you might be feeling the pressure to invest in new technology. But how do you invest in technology that is proven to win higher paying clients? Otherwise, overall, you're just making a financial loss. Our trusted partner, iIntro, has a solution for this. They provide recruiters with an online delivery platform for the candidate shortlist. So instead of sending over CVs or resumes, you can send your clients an online profile that includes video, key competency questionnaires, and behavioral assessments. It looks more professional than a CV or a PDF, 
Plus, it helps the client make a more informed decision about who to call to interview. But that's not all. iIntro also provides recruitment business owners with coaching for their team, not just to help them use the software, but to help them use it to win more retained business. Their comprehensive training program is specifically designed to help recruiters at all levels of experience develop their retained recruitment service. In fact, many of the hundreds of recruitment businesses they've worked with win a brand new retained client after only a few weeks of getting started. To see iIntro in action, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained to book a free demonstration. There's no obligation, plus you'll also be helping to support this podcast. That's recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained. Fantastic. I actually was over there. I mean, it's been a long time now, probably um, 20 years ago. And, but even, even back then it was, I was blown away because I was invited by a, a large independent staffing company over there. It was actually run, the CEO was American and his wife was Polish. So he was an expat American living in Poland. And so he started a, a recruiting business and he asked me to come over and train his managers and some of his senior consultants. And so I spent a, a few days with them. Um, and what impressed me is how they were really hungry to be successful no, yeah. and like very motivated, entrepreneurial. And uh, the quality of the people in that room was, it was high. Oh yeah. 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 It was high. It's, it's amazing. So yeah, I, like I said, I was, I was blown away and, you know, I still love working with them. Uh, I know that our spend has shifted a little bit more here to the U.S. Mm -hmm. over the last few years, but you know, we still do a good bit of business in uh, in the Central European area, and I'm I'm planning hopefully to be in Bulgaria for a few days in May as well to oh, cool. go visit one of our other partners over yeah. there. So I can't I can't wait. Fantastic. Our uh, I have a friend Plamen Ivanov who's the chairman of Viintro, which is our podcast sponsor. He's from Sofia uh, in Bulgaria, okay. and I think he spends some time there and some time in London, but. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> that's the delivery side. You had this yep. um, partnership with the uh, European company, but then on the business development side, was that a natural area for you to go into or was there a learning curve there going from being a developer think, to being a salesman? I think there definitely was. Um, quite frankly, uh, I've been a little resist. I've been a reluctant salesman is probably <laughs> okay. the best way to say it is that uh, you know, I know people have a certain viewpoint about salespeople, business development, and selling is somewhat maybe a dirty word for some people in the technical industry. And I think, uh, you know, that was just part of my journey of just getting over that saying, you know, we're, we're providing a great service with great people at a great value. I'm not you know, that's, that's my sales pitch yeah. and that's, that's pretty much it. And that's <laughs> okay. the way, I, that's the way I approach it. Uh, it's more of the getting back to like the blocking and tackling of what it takes for like the daily habits. That's probably the biggest thing of, okay, you know, you have to always be, uh, out there trying to develop sales, always trying to get business. You can't rest on your laurels, those type of things. You yeah. know, it's a different, it's a different cadence that you have to get used to. Um, whereas in development, it's like, okay, well, I can kind of take a break or, you know, read this technical journal. It's not that way in sales. You know, you've <laughs> always, you've always got to be moving the ball. So, right. Absolutely. You know. What are some of those, um, habits or, you know, 
the the systems that you put in place that have supported you to make headway in the business development side because you it sounds like you've got some fantastic accounts and yeah. relationships which generate repeat business and help you you know such as the relationship you mentioned that got you the deal with the airline yeah um well the biggest thing is I think it's really more of a philosophy mm-hmm. of customer service and speed. So the really the way that we try to approach it with our partners is when we get a request in, we're trying to respond as quickly as possible, mm-hmm. you know, within at least a couple of hours saying, hey, this is something that we could potentially help you out with or not help you out with. Just try to get those meetings scheduled. It's one of those where we always want to strike while the iron is hot because mm-hmm. quite frankly, in this business, Um, There's a lot of competition, and I think that's why we've been successful is that a lot of our competitors are slower. Sometimes they don't care as much. Uh, The customer service isn't there. And so we really try to put that whole package together of quick response, getting those meetings lined up to gather requirements, try to find out what the problem is that that end client has, and, and really getting the right resource, be it someone here in the U.S. or you know, someone uh, from Central Europe that's the right fit. We um, we really try to focus on great delivery people, people that, especially in the contract business, people that are professional contractors. Yep. It's another mindset where, you know, similar to me, you have to have that customer service focus. And what we find in the contracting world is that if you do a great job, if a consultant does a great job for one client on one project, they'll get asked for over and over again. Think about like your favorite restaurant when you go out and if you have a great dining experience, you're going to say, well, hey, I want I want Mark as my server tonight. Yeah. Is he got a table available? And that's kind of the way that the contracting world has worked. That, um, that's, makes- that's the way that we've approached it. Fantastic. No, that all that all makes excellent sense. What about though, like opening new doors? That's um, you know, and as you say, it's very competitive. I think yeah. because we haven't even talked about wh- why contracting is such a great business model. I'm sure we'll we'll get into that, but yeah. because it can be very lucrative, that of course attracts a lot of uh, competition to that yeah. to that space. So you know, even just. Like, you know that you provide great value, you know, you're fast and you're honest about whether you can help solve that problem or not. And you, um, you always do an excellent job, but they, and unless you've been referred there, they don't know that yet. Right. right? And they get right. called by a lot of people. They get a lot of sure. emails. So how do you break through that noise and get the attention of the, your, uh, of your Microsoft partners. Right. Well, so obviously referrals are a big thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, because people change jobs all the time in this industry and they're either going from company A to company B, some people have actually left to start their own Microsoft business partner firms. And so we'll help, uh, with that. Mm -hmm. And then the other is, uh, just a lot, a lot of the daily practices. So I try to post as much as I can on LinkedIn. Uh, we've got a few clients off of that, um, connected with a few people in my past as well mm-hmm. that we're having some great conversations with. And then I've actually hired a uh, sales development rep who's actually now doing cold calls for us. And 
you know, hitting the phones uh, because I can't be everywhere. And quite frankly, I'll probably find a reason not to make a bunch of cold calls. So I know, <laughs> yep. I know my limita- I know my limitations. So uh, this gentleman, Frank, he's just wonderful, but true professional. And uh, we started working with him just a few months ago, and he's already gotten us some just wonderful meetings. And uh, you know, now it's up to me to kind of carry the ball forward to. Uh, to uh, try to develop those relationships. And then one other thing that we've uh, tried here in Atlanta, we've done some in-person events. We did an Azure uh, quarterly lunch for some partners as well as prospective clients yeah. here. And that's been uh, very successful and led to some some solid conversations also. So there's not just one thing. I think yes. ultimately when it comes down to sales, business development, uh, it's a lot of different channels and quite frankly, I'm still learning. So that's why I listen to your podcast every week. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, listen, so let's let's just break that down a bit. So obviously referrals, you know, are you've got a you've got a lot of experience in your space. You know a lot of people and you yeah. came from that industry and uh, people move around. So then they they you know bring you with them. So I can see that happening. I could yeah. also see the consultants you place being referral sources as well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so of course, that's awesome. The challenge with referrals is that you can't control it, right? Right. It's, uh, it's awesome when it happens and it's, it speaks highly of the service you're delivering that people, as you said, the analogy of the server, you want to go back and get more of that. Um, but then you can't rely on one thing. So you're right. also very visible on LinkedIn. You're doing an awesome yeah. job there, by the way. So, thank so, you. Thank you. Um, so definitely check out Scott Easton's LinkedIn profile and content. And I know you're posting videos and, you know, things that would be of interest to either your, your clients, the, the Microsoft partners or the independent consultants. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's cool. Thirdly, this part I'm interested in is your um, outsourced business development person. Yeah. And this seems to be a bit of a theme, Scott. So you've got your outsourced delivery people in... Poland and and uh, Bulgaria, but then mm-hmm. you're also outsourcing the you know initial door opening appointment setting as well, um, which I think is smart. Like you're you're really leveraging your time, and rather than because you could do all those things yourself, right? Right. But uh, there's only so many hours in the day. So <clears throat> um, how uh, so outsourced business development. Uh, the, the networking event the, or the event you hosted, can, can you tell us more about that? So um, basically, again, this was something that I got from your podcast and uh, I'm trying to think of the gentleman uh, in Tokyo. Yeah, that, Stephen Lee. That were doing, yeah, doing those events. And so I was, um, I remember I was actually in Las Vegas for a conference and I was walking around the Las Vegas Strip and... Uh, Instead of getting in trouble in the casinos, I was literally listening to your podcast, walking down the Las Vegas Strip, and I was listening to uh, what Stephen was doing, and I'm like, wow, you know, I could probably do something like this. And, uh, you know, maybe not to the level that Stephen is doing. I mean, it sounds like he's got an incredible process there, but I thought, okay, you know, we could put together a nice lunch, get some people together. And uh, I will say this, the one thing that I was really surprised about was just the, on the initial outreach, how quickly people responded back saying, yes, I'm in. Uh, I was, I was very surprised at the, uh, the demand and the quick response. And so we had 
12, 13 people together at a nice restaurant in a private room. And we talked all things tech and uh, lots of great conversations. I think a lot of people made some really good connections. And uh, again, like I said, it led to some great conversations with uh, myself, some current clients, prospective clients. And then we had a couple of consultants there as well. And so again, just, I, I really enjoyed it. I need to put another one together, uh, hopefully soon. So, you know, that's next on the list or part of the list. Fantastic. So I'm not surprised that you got a great response, but why do you think that was? Well, you know, the interesting thing is that I think that there's a hunger, so to speak, for yes. people to reconnect in person is that we're all virtual, you know, obviously, you know, you're in Edinburgh, I'm in Atlanta and, you know, it's great seeing you on video, but there's something about being in person and just having that human connection. And also, especially in the, the technology industry right now in 2023, lots of tech layoffs that everyone's seen in the headlines. Um, an event like this is a great way for people to network because you have no idea what's going to happen sure. in this industry. You know, perfect example. Um, I was contacted by one of the people from that lunch earlier this week where he told me, hey, you know, this is my last week at my current employer. I'm going to be going out and starting my own thing. You know, let's let's talk and see about perhaps doing some projects together. Cool. And so uh, hopefully we'll be able to connect him with some other people that were in that room. So, you know, it's amazing just, you know, having a few people together uh, and what you can do. And there's a nice sense of camaraderie also. Definitely. I think you're right. I think um, before COVID, I was like, personally speaking, I was sort of avoiding in person because I was like, oh, that takes a lot of time. Yeah. And it's easier just to do everything virtually. Uh, but then when you can't do it, you realize how you need that, right? C that in-person connection and you kind of crave it again. I think there's that yeah. pent up demand. Still, people are realizing the value of that since we there was the absence of it. Um, well, exactly. And, uh, but also you're curating that group of people, right? You're putting people together in the room who are all high quality people, um, you know, with shared interest, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, so it's almost as well, like the opportunity, not just to meet anybody to, to, to meet the right people. Right. And then there's a social aspect, as you say, camaraderie, and there's lunch and everything as well. But it's it's professional development in a sense. It's like, what could I learn? I might sit next to somebody who's had a similar challenge, like technical challenge or strategic challenge with their business, then we can exchange ideas. And there's, you know, I well, think, yeah. Well, well, exactly. And also, you know, the fact that we had a couple of our consultants there who actually got to meet some of the, some of our clients in person, you know, it's, again, it's one of those things where, you know, if I'm having a conversation with a client and I say, okay, well, you know, you met Rion at this lunch and he was sitting across from you and he's like, oh yeah, I remember, I remember Rion, great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Let's put him on the project. You know, it's, it smooths the way for, for closing a sale and making a placement. Fantastic. And did you worry by putting <clears throat> clients and consultants in the room together that they might just you know, cut Eastern IT security out and just go direct um, to her. You know, there's, there was always kind of a little bit of that worry, but then, you know, on the flip side, the way I look at it, there's plenty of business out there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, 
I had to get, I had to get over that and just say, you know what, I'm going to bring people together. We're going to have some great conversations. And uh, quite frankly, you know, it's worked out the way that it should. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I I think Stephen Lee said something similar to me, which is that like, there's a risk, but the benefits far outweigh the the risk. Exactly. And, um, and it's not like you're, and if you're following up with those folks and you're in, in regular touch with them, then, you know, you're probably, that's, it's unlikely to happen anyway. So right, 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 that's right. brilliant, Scott. I love, I love what you're doing there. Definitely um, do that again. I think that's phenomenal. Can we just take a sort of heli- uh, like 10,000 foot view, mm. first of all, and just look at this whole business model that you're in anyway, in the IT consulting and, and, and staffing space. Sure. What do you see as being the huge advantage of, you know, having a, consulting practice versus a permanent direct hire practice? Well, so there are a number of advantages. I mean, number one, I would say I do very, very little recruiting now. Mm -hmm. Um, And the specific reason why is that we've been very fortunate to have just a wonderful group of independent contractors Um, here in the U.S. and then obviously um, some some folks over in Central Europe. This is what they do full time. Yep. I know that uh, for a lot of people that are listening to this who are FTEs or whatnot, the thought of being an independent contractor and being out there completely on your own is probably overwhelming. And a lot of people probably think that we're crazy for doing this, but uh, working with those contractors who um, they've got a very entrepreneurial spirit, they're very the ones that are really good are very business focused and all about solving problems. So we're constantly at maybe the term recycle is not correct, but we're always trying to find them business, you know, going back to, uh, you know, going to the restaurant and having that great server, you know, I always know, Hey, I can count on David. I can count on a cent. I'm going to give them as much business as they possibly can handle until they tell me I can't, I can't take anymore. Great. And, and so, you know, having that just trusted group of people that you can go to time and time again, it makes my life a lot easier because now I'm not just calling up someone cold saying, Hey, I've got this particular position for you. Are you interested? It's, Hey, you know, we've got this project here, are the parameters, you know, are you interested? And, you know, they'll tell me if they're interested or not. And, you know, I can go on to the the next person in my Rolodex, so to speak, and, yes. and run that project by them. You know, again, probably the biggest challenge in this business is the um, the customer satisfaction, the response, you know, just making sure that we're moving the projects through the various stages with, um, with our various partners. And so a lot of it is account management and, and business development. Attention business owners and recruitment managers. Do you want to level up your team's performance but lack the bandwidth to train them yourself? Then why not let us do it for you? Recruitment Mastery Blueprint is a comprehensive 12-week program that provides your recruiters with the specialized training they need to be successful. We'll help your recruiters to accelerate their development and maximize their billings. The 12-week program covers the full 360 degrees in three phases candidate sourcing excellence, placement process mastery, and business development brilliance. Your team members will work directly with our expert recruitment coaches, Leanne Jones-Hunt and Julie McGrath, who have 28 years collective recruitment experience. 
Both Leanne and Julie have trained their own teams as billing managers and run their own recruitment businesses. Your team will attend live weekly workshops via Zoom, which are highly interactive. Plus, they'll have access to the modules via our e-learning platform 24-7. We also set weekly assignments. We critique your candidate and client email campaigns and LinkedIn outreach messages. We'll also show your team members how to integrate AI tools to save time and increase productivity. They'll probably be teaching you a thing or two by the end of this program. Your team will level up their skills, boost their confidence, and become more self-sufficient so they require less hand-holding from you, the owner. Invest in your team's development today with Recruitment Mastery Blueprint. Our next cohort starts on Monday, the 15th of January, 2024. To learn more and to register, visit recruitmentcoach.com forward slash blueprint. Once again, that's recruitmentcoach.com forward slash blueprint. Great. Okay, so... Uh, you're not, you're not, now that you've built this awesome network of independent contractors, that's what they do for a living. They're excellent at what they do. You know that you can rely on them. Then that makes your life a lot easier. What are some of the other advantages of having, uh, a, a staffing and consulting practice? Well, you know, the other <clears throat> great thing is just recurring revenue. So, you know, we're very fortunate to have a few long-term contracts uh, in place with some of our clients where we've actually got uh, a couple of folks from Central Europe on some long-term deals, uh, a few people here in the U.S. on long-term deals. So, you know, 2024 starts up, you know, I've already got, you know, six figures of revenue that I know that have already booked and coming in and I don't have to pick up the phone and necessarily do anything. So there's that that nice recurring revenue aspect to it. I I think anyone who's in executive search or even the permanent side of staffing, I don't know if they necessarily understand or have grasped how huge that is, what you just said. Exactly. You know, when you're doing exclusively permanent roles, then every month you're starting at zero, right? You have to generate that, you know, business and that revenue um, from scratch every time. Whereas what you've got is almost more like a subscription software model, right? Where as long as you can keep adding more than is churning, then your business is just going to grow and grow and grow and grow over time. And of course you have to service and, you know, provide that excellent service to your clients to retain them. But um, yeah, as long as you can just keep adding a net, you know, uh, people to your, you know, adding new projects faster right. than they're, they're completing, then you're, you're constantly building, which is just mind blowing. If you, if you stop and think about it, rather than just kind of like you get to a capacity, there's only so many new deals that somebody can do. You exactly. Know? And so once you reach that limit, then that's your revenue threshold. It's really hard to, to get above that. Whereas what, so I, I would encourage all of our listeners, even if you're running an exec search firm or, you know, uh, a permanent placement practice that you consider the idea of um, having at least some revenue, which is, uh, which is temporary contract interim, because having that recurring revenue is just... Uh, that is a game changer right there. Exactly. And, you know, quite frankly, if you look at the statistics that are coming out now, more and more 
people are interested in contracting yeah. and independent consulting work. I know I was reading an article from the staffing industry where I think they said literally 38% of the U.S. workforce has done some type of quote unquote gig work. I'm not yeah. necessarily a fan of gig work or I know the term mean. gig work. Yeah. Uh, but inside of the uh, the technical services area where we work, there's a large percentage of people that that are open to that type of work again, yes. either by choice mm. or you know because of you know the current labor market. I think more companies are moving towards contract work as well. Definitely, it's only going to grow, and uh, so why not why not have a piece of that? Now, of course, it's not all you know sunshine and rainbows. There's there's also risks associated with that. I think oh, yeah. maybe that's what puts people off is, you know, you're expected to pay your contractors usually before you even get paid by your client, right? Yeah. So there's a, there's there's major cash flow implications, um, which so how do you deal with that and sleep at night without worrying that? You, you know, know, that's a great that's a great question because. Um, you know, I remember when I first started doing this or with the staffing side, um, I just remember, I remember at the first, at the first company that I worked for the internet consultancy or the Lotus Notes consultancy, I remember there were a few times where we didn't get paid for work because we didn't have the, the right paperwork. And I'm like, okay, do I really want to do this? And it was very much a limiting belief mm. uh, on, say, our first, like my first placement deal that I did with one of our clients. And it all kind of worked out where we had the right paperwork, all that stuff. And I'm like, okay, you know, I need to let go of the past and let that go. And so now, um, you know, the way that I do it is, um, thanks to my mom, I'm a prestigious saver. So, you know, we keep a lot of money in the bank. And uh, in fact, we're running a giant payroll today uh, for end of year. I never thought I would ever spend this money on payroll before in my life. Wow. Uh, but, you know, we keep a lot of cash on hand. And then, you know, my philosophy, especially from coming from being an independent consultant is that I want to make sure that the guys and girls that work for us get paid before I do. So, we're typically grading our client base knowing, okay, well, is this, is this a client that I know is going to pay on time or yep. eventually pay us? And do I have a high, do I get a sense of a high probability that we'll get that money in? And if I know just based on the relationship with a lot of our clients who we've worked with for years, yes. um, I feel comfortable saying, okay, well, I'm going to pay that money before we see it come in. Yes. And, uh, you know, it, for the most part, has all worked out. Uh, you know, if this was like the great financial crisis, I don't know if I would necessarily be, you know, fronting all of that money. But you know, uh, we're very fortunate to have just some wonderful clients with great cash flow, and uh, you know, I like to pay people first. Is my philosophy? Scott, what you just said, I think, is something that all recruiters need to listen into. But I think this is. Good. The, your business model is not going to work for many folks because what I, having worked with recruiters for twenty plus years, um, saving isn't necessarily the mindset, right? It's yeah. you know it's make a lot of income, but then spend almost all sure. of it. Um, so can we just delve into that? It seems like a bit of a of a tangent, but where did that come from? And is there a particular is there a specific formula like you save X percent of your income or like your revenue or how do you how do you know how much is enough to 
set aside and not to dip into? Um, so, well, you know, again, like I said, my mom, mom drilled it into me when I was younger, <laughs> that save, save, save. And, you know, I started out uh, cutting yards when I was a teenager and it was, you know, at save, you know, at least, uh, you know, a good portion of your salary or not salary, but, you know, your wages from cutting grass. And so yeah. that was where it all started. And then, um, quite frankly, much of the chagrin of my teenagers, I try to live as modestly as possible. Uh, you know, we don't deny ourselves, but yeah. we don't live a lavish lifestyle either. And so, um, you know, I, I like having money in the bank as well. I'm not yeah. so much a big things person, if you will. Uh, for me, safety is, you know, having money in the bank. And yeah. again, it's now, I think the finance side is really our competitive advantage because when I first started out as an independent consultant or even a partner in some of these consulting firms, getting paid was a huge deal. Yeah. And, um, you know, I do remember my second year as an independent consultant in 2010, I did have some problems actually collecting money from the firm that I was working for. Yes. And it, I literally had to call an attorney and threatened to sue them. The attorney sent a demand letter and long story short, they released the money, but it was very stressful just thinking, hey, am I going to get paid or not for yeah. all of this work? And I, I don't want to ever put people in that position. And so I want to I want to be like the US government in a good way where I'm money certain, where you know if you're dealing with me and you do a good job, you know that you're going to get paid. And uh, you know, the other thing that I try to do, and I actually had a couple of notes about this last night um, from some of our contractors and vendors asking about payments, uh, because we're like I said, we're running payroll later today. They were just asking about payments, and I try to respond as quickly as possible, saying. Here are the details of, you know, when you're going to get paid, what's going on. I try to be as transparent as possible mm -hmm. uh, because that also, <laughs> that does two things is that, that it reduces stress for the people that are doing hard work for you. But then it also creates that loyalty where they know, hey, I can trust Scott to pay me when I do my work. Totally. And yeah. I, I respect that. Scott, you are the only person though that I know who is funding their own payroll for their consultants. Most IT staffing and, and uh, contract uh, recruitment companies that I've come across are either using um, factoring, invoice discounting, <clears throat> or um, you know some kind of sizable overdraft facility with mm -hmm. their bank rather than fronting the cash themselves. Would do you do you not think you could grow faster if you could um, use other people's money? Um, not really. Okay. Uh, again, because you know, from a growth perspective, my philosophy is all based on trust. So anyone that I bring into Easton IT to come out and do work for uh, our clients on behalf of Easton IT. I want to know that they're going to do a great job. I want to know and trust that this is someone that can represent me mm -hmm. uh, to the standards that I expect. And so I would rather turn down business or say no if I don't think that it's going to, if we're going to be able to do a great job. So, you know, my biggest challenge here is not so much the money side, it's just finding great independent consultants and working on the business development aspects. Got it. And, and quite frankly, um, if people, 
budget correctly or firms budget correctly, you know, most or most clients that we deal with are paying in the 30 to 60 day range, maybe okay. a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So if you can manage your cash flow effectively and have money in the bank, it kind of all just works out. And and I will say this is that we also do internally we spend a lot of money on accounting and finance. So Jerry, our VA, uh, is managing the invoicing, also keeps up with some collections for us. And then uh, Sam, who's our bookkeeper, uh, does a great job just on helping manage all the AR, all of that. So we've invested a lot in the back end here on the finance side to be able to, to manage all this. And then my uh, craziness about money, you know, I check the balance sheet and the, it, you know, all the reports on a daily basis, or at least a couple times a week to make sure that nothing's getting out of control. Fantastic. Well, listen, it sounds conservative, <laughs> but on the other hand, I think you could withstand, you know, you could withstand virtually any shock that, you know, happens to the economy well, or not, whatever. Let's not, uh, let's not ask the gods. <laughs> let's, not <jump> fate. Exactly. <laughs> let's not jump fate. I so we're very that. fortunate. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, uh, but it's true. Like you, nobody can predict the future. Uh, and I think a lot of, a lot of business owners just fly pretty close to the wind in terms oh, of having cash yeah. reserves. I know I made that mistake myself and it really yeah. hurt me in the, in the great recession. Um, and so, yeah, you're, you, you're, it sounds like also it gives you a huge peace of mind, which well, definitely. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. So that's, that's the whole <laughs> thing is that, you know, again, I think the success of the business really comes down to a couple things. I mean, it's number one, just finding great independent contractors. And like I said, you know, they're, especially in the US economy, there are lots of people now that are looking to become independent consultants, mm-hmm. either full-time or part-time, uh, just because of the trends in the economy. Uh, working with great clients, you know, again, you have to kiss a lot of frogs there with uh, some of the clients. Fortunately, all the ones that we have today are just wonderful. And then it's managing the cash flow side of this. And yeah. again, my philosophy is trying to pay people as quickly as possible and also being very transparent about where their money is because, you know, you're literally, they're literally counting on you to make their mortgages, yes. their kids. And uh, it's a competitive advantage by telling people where their money is, is, you know, as crazy as that may sound for a lot of people out there. Yeah. It's a big responsibility though, isn't it? Like you're... Yeah, you people are literally depending on you for their, you know, paying their mortgage and their uh, their personal outgoing. So uh, amazing, Scott. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. There's one thing I wanted to uh, ask you about. I know you've done very Spartan events, and uh, you're you're sort of an amateur athlete. Why? You know, can you tell us some of your um, health and well being habits? So um, I learned my lesson over the years where uh, when I did not take my fitness or health very seriously, Mm -hmm. um, I was not at my best. And so uh, one of the great things, if you will, from the Great Recession is when I uh, left to start my own thing and become an independent consultant, I ended up having to work for a year in Virginia where I was literally flying back and forth every, uh, every weekend or every week from Virginia back to Atlanta. 
And uh, long story short, uh, one of the guys that I used to work with at the beverage company uh, where I worked, he was doing P90X. And so I literally turned my apartment in Virginia into a P90X temple. Wait a second. Reboot. What, what's P90X? Oh, okay. So P90X is a uh, home fitness program. Uh, there's a, the trainer on that is a gentleman, Tony Horton. And okay. uh, just so it's, you know, weights, body movements, plyometrics. And, uh, you know, for someone in my forties, uh, when I did it, it, it was revolutionary. It changed my life. And long story short, you know, I used to play I was a pretty serious amateur tennis player before that, uh, before the Great Recession. And then, you know, with kids and traveling, I got away from that. But because of what happened during the Great Recession, having to leave my job, uh, start my own company, doing P90X, I got into distance running. So at a certain point, I became a pretty serious distance runner uh, here with the Atlanta Track Club, Uh, ran a bunch of half marathons, 5Ks was able to place in my age group in awesome. uh, a few of the races. Wow. I don't think I can do that now. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, long story short, I uh, got out of the distance running. Uh, it put a lot of wear and tear on my body and got into some of the Spartan races. And that's been super cool. I never thought I would ever be able to do something like that. And uh, so it's amazing to, uh, you know, especially at my age, be able to go out and do it. And so that's, you know, I do that a couple times a year, but then uh, every day I'm very fortunate to belong to a great gym here in Decatur, Georgia. It's a functional fitness gym. Uh, so lots of kettlebells, lots of body movements. And then I also work with a trainer twice a week. And uh, between the trainer and this gym, it's just revolution, revolutionized my life. And so I can do stuff now in my, I can't believe I'm going to say this in my mid fifties that I couldn't do in my twenties or thirties. That I'm is just awesome. So much stronger, so much fitter. And so it's one of those where it's very cliche to say health is your first wealth, but you know, yeah. no matter how much success you've got, if uh, you don't have your health, it's not worth anything. And then also being physically fit, it's the ultimate plan B, whatever happens, if you've got your fitness, you know, if there's another great recession, COVID, whatnot, you've got the ability to withstand it. So I'm going to get it off of my soapbox at this point. Uh, no, yeah, I'm, but yeah. <laughs> you're preaching to the choir. I, I agree a hundred percent. And, uh, but it's a, it's a journey, isn't it? Like you, it, it's just constantly, um, challenging yourself. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, recently gotten into running, as you know, like in the last few years, went from nothing to uh, doing a half marathon a couple of years ago. And so I'm quite pleased that I uh, can outrun my kids still, even though I'm in my early 50s and they can't keep up with me. Uh, However, my teenage boys now can lift more than me, which I don't like. So I need to- We need to get you the weight room, Mark. I need to hit the weight floor again. So yeah. But uh, hey, Scott, this was fun hanging out with you today. Um, and, uh, look forward to seeing you on a coaching call real soon. Again, thank you so much. What a wonderful opportunity. And again, I'm so grateful to you, Leanne, Julie, for everything, uh, and Rachel and the rest of the team. Uh, thank you so much. So, uh, again, Mark, I'm extremely grateful for being here. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. Well, we're looking forward to working with you in 2024 and, uh, have an awesome day. All right. Likewise. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. I know how busy recruiters are, so I'm honored that you're investing this time with me each week. 
I don't take your attention for granted. That's why I'm going all out to deliver value for you here, real insights you can apply to improve your business. And if you really want to help me to reach a wider audience and impact more people, please consider leaving the show a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you leave me a review, please reach out and let me know so I can thank you personally. Please hit the subscribe button and I'll see you next time.